Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. It is my joy and honor to welcome our speaker this morning, who is not a guest speaker, but a dear friend. I want to read a little bit about his bio because it was so much fun to read it for myself. Uh, Pastor Timothy Law is a senior pastor of Every Nation Church in Malaysia. Um, he was touched by God in his teen years and he went on to find his calling and pursued his God-given purpose. He trained at Potluck Bible College and much of his ministerial development was there. He later served at USM Penang uh, College and years later juggling between uh, leading an IT company and also pastoring. He also spent several years in the restaurant industry where he owned a few restaurants before retiring in the restaurant business in 2017. The only thing I hold against him is he closed all his four restaurants without consulting me. I don't think that was a good idea, brother. We're going to visit KL and we want you to take us back to all those four restaurants. With a heart to meaningfully bring the gospel to an ever-changing now culture, he studied a master's MA in evangelism and leadership at Wheaton University and was a classmate to some of our leaders here in Johannesburg. Under Pastor Timothy's leadership, 14 churches have been planted in Malaysia and one in China. We can give God the praise for that. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Other than pastoring, he divides his time following Arsenal. You're in good company. Following Arsenal and also winning at badminton. He's married to Teresa. They've got four children, Joel, Joash, Jaden, and Joanna. There's something African about that. All the name starts with uh, the same letter. I just want to mention this one more thing about Pastor Timothy. We've just spent uh, a week with him uh, in the bush at the Kruger National Park. He loved the Kruger so much that he even said we should take Go Conference to Kruger next time we have Go. Let's welcome Pastor Tim as he shares the word. All right. All right. Hey, hi everybody. Good morning. I hope that, uh, you know, every nation is incomplete until you get to hear every accent. So this is the Malaysian accent, okay? I, I hope you can understand me. Uh, by the way, if you have not met any Malaysian, this is the latest version. <laughs> this is the iOS 17 or whatever that is, okay? Or this is the latest version and you cannot get anything better than that, all right? I'm just kidding, okay? I just want you to know that I'm so delighted to be here with you. I'm so humbled uh, that I get to minister in Rosebank, um, the World Conference is amazing. Uh, 2016, when I came for uh, the World Conference in Cape Town, I walked away with a secret wish that uh, we get to do World Conference uh, every year in Cape Town, okay? Uh, or in Joburg, okay? Whichever. And uh, that's simply because I think uh, South Africa is such a beautiful country. It, it is, it is. You know, you, uh, you know, I told my wife, this is potentially one of the places that you can go to where you, you, you get to see the sea, the mountain, the wild, the scenery. You, you get to see everything at one place, you know. 
Uh, now I really think that Eden was very close to yeah. this region, okay? <laughs> my secret theological, I'll write a thesis on that one day, okay? When I do my demean, okay? Anyway, uh, but before I moved on, I just really want to honor, uh, first of all, Pastor Roger Nicola for your uh, leadership. You know, um, I got to know Pastor Roger a little bit better. There was one, uh, one regional conference. Well, it was the, the whole global leadership coming together. We had in Dubai, we had some ice cream moment. Ice cream, yogurt, whatever it is, okay? And you know something about ice cream that just caused you to share a little bit more? <laughs> Especially Paul's ice cream, I was told. Okay, so, all right, okay, we're good. We'll, we'll do that tonight, okay? We'll do that tonight, okay? And, uh, and you know, I like this, the stature, the leadership, the warmth and the kindness of Pastor Roger. So even I was standing there, he just scooped over and told me, he says, you know, Tim, just be who you are. And that is great for us. And just that assurance from me. So that speaks of his leadership stature. Uh, something about Pastor Simon that I really observed. So when we were in the wild watching Drovo, is it Drovo? Tao? Drovu, Drovu, Drovu the elephant, you meet, okay? And Tao, which is the lion, am I correct, okay? While doing that, I was also watching Pastor Simon. Not that he's part of the wildlife, but <laughs> I was watching, I was watching the way he do life. Yes. You know, every leader is not just how you lead, yeah. it's actually how you live. Yeah. Because your living will affect your leading. Right. Some led well, but live horribly. Right. Some live well and led tremendously you know just so i was watching pastor simon just the way he does life and every waiter and waitresses that he gets to meet he he called them by name he get to know them he shake their hand he greet them and i'm just so impressed so thank you pastor simon and lindy you know for hosting us and uh we'll talk more over paul's ice cream okay anyway so i just want to say thank you for all of you who have made world conference uh really a world-class event and uh Thank you so much. I hope one day, uh, Pastor Steve has asked me, you know, when, when can we host it? And, and one day we hope to be able to do that. And uh, we'll welcome all of you to Kuala Lumpur. Okay, now very quickly, I know you're in a series called The Doctrine of Faith. I have the honor to kickstart, okay? Uh, so today we're going to talk a little bit about either faith is or by faith. That will be the title. Uh, but before that, let me give you a couple of pictures, okay, to to uh, lure you, to encourage you to come to Kwampo, okay? The first picture, maybe it doesn't look very whatever, but that's my, that's my family, okay? Uh, so you will find that I have uh, three sons, one daughter. Uh, so next to me is my wife. The real version will come at the next service, okay? Uh, so I, I brought my, my first son and my third son in 2016, which is the one on the white and the one that's lying down next to him. That's Joel and Jaden. That's my first son and my third son. 2016, I brought them to World Conference and we did go to uh, the game reserve. I told the elephant and the lion that I'm going to bring back my other children to <laughs> say hi to them. To, you know, so, so this year, I brought the rest of my family. Okay? So, so my wife and my second son, which is the one like that, he's a full-blown musician. He plays all the instruments. Uh, all our musical cells, God decided to put it on one person. I don't know why, okay? but 
He has the ability to do that. The rest of us, we are disab- disabled when it comes to that, okay? Then, and then my daughter. So truth to be told is I am a typical, very good Chinese. Every three years, we produce one child. So, okay? So every three years. Then after the third son, we decided to stop. But five years, decided to stop means we do anything medically possible to stop, okay? But five years later, lo and behold, God gave us a girl. So they are all, they all start with J and our surname is Lo. So sometimes I tell us that's the J Lo. Okay, all right, all right. Of all the lame joke. Okay, we got to go to a message. Just a couple of pictures about Kuala Lumpur. Our food is phenomenal. We have a mixed culture of the Malays, the Indian, and the Chinese. So when you put three big uh, race together, ethnic together, they produce the Trinity kind of a food. Uh, so you are going to enjoy all the food uh, that you're going to get in KL. So please, please, please come to KL, okay? And, and, and then uh, we have about, these are some of the church plants that we did uh, post-pandemic. I think we planted about six churches. Uh, and, and God has been just tremendous. We took a step of faith. Uh, but uh, in our main congregation where I'm the main pastor, uh, we have, we sit about 700, a little bit like this, but in a theater kind of a format. You can see one of them, one of the pictures. And uh, we uh, really want to say a big welcome. So I tell everybody that you can be in any nation in the world, but your trip is incomplete until you visit an every nation church. Okay, so I'll, I'll come here, I can meet the elephant, the lion, you know, whatever, and visit Nelson Mandela house, you know, all of that. But it's incomplete until I get to visit the church. So please, when you do come to KL, we've got plenty of churches, and I'm sure you can find one that can host you and uh, take you out for a meal and uh, celebrate together with you our culture, okay? Now, very quickly. Uh, so I am going to do the introduction of the doctrine of faith. Um, I chose by faith was because in Hebrews 11, and all of us know that Hebrews 11 was, is the best chapter to define what faith is because it began with faith is, all right? What faith is all about, which we're going to look at that verse. Uh, but I chose by faith simply because uh, the Bible is very clear that every time when you decide to live your life by faith, you write a different narrative and story of your life. And I want every one of you to walk away and to remove every other verb, whether it's by fear, by bitterness, by anger, whatever, whatever, that, whatever that's in your heart that you will replace it by faith. Because, and you're going to do that for your individual life and you're going to do that for all the churches in Joburg and in South Africa. That We're going to write a powerful story just because we have a lens of faith, all right? Now, so to help us to bring to all of that, I'm just going to walk you through. Now, so I'm going to start by talking about by, B-Y. By faith, before faith, all right, by. The word by in, in dictionary simply means the medium to which we get to. So for example, if I were to come to you and say, how did you come to church? You're going to say by, by car. By, by food, uh, by train, by, it's, it's a medium to bring you to another spot, all right? Now, every one of us in our life, 
there is a buy that we put ourselves in. Some of us live our life full of fear. So it's the way we, the way we chart our life is by fear. Uh, you're driven by fear, you do this. Some of us, it's just by sheer hard work, which is, which is needed. Some of us, is by bitterness. I've, I've got friends of mine who lead one of the largest, uh, one of the most successful IT company, and, and the reason he did that was simply because he was so bitter against the former boss that looked down on him. Until today, he built such a, it's, it's to showcase to the other boss that I can do it. That was his only sole motivation. So every one of us kind of has something by that brings us to another spot. Now, when you add the word by faith, okay, when you add not just the word by, when you put the word faith, I define by faith, which you read together, is the conduit of inviting God's world into our world. Our world okay? Now, by the way, is, is my English okay? Yes. You, can you understand me? All right, fantastic. Okay, I've improved. Just kidding. Okay, <laughs> you, you know, so every time when I think about if we're going to be in faith, I am going to experience bringing God's world into my world. You know, every one of us has a world that defines where we are. Our world is limited, but God's world is limitless. Our world has our own challenges, but God's world is an overcoming world. Our world is temporal, but God's world is eternal. So there is a, a really a big difference. And the way I imagine is every time when I pray, every time when I put on the faith posture, having our confidence in God, I bring God's world into my world. You know, as I speak this morning, every one of you is defined by a world that you're living in. Some of you might be living in a world where you felt that your finance is insufficient. Some of you might live in a world where you are confused and you are discouraged and I don't know what kind of a world you are. You know, which really reminded me of a particular testimony story that I like to share. Uh, this happened in, during pandemic. So 2021, uh, this happened. So I've been doing something called Discovering God, or I used to call it Oh My God. <laughs> Just helping people to connect the dot who God is. Yeah. Um, so by the grace of God, I think ever since I started to run somewhere end of 19, sorry, 20, 2017 till to date, I've seen about maybe 250 people or more that have said yes to God for the first time. So I've just seen a whole bunch of people coming to know God, just helping people to connect the dot. Of, that's why we call it, oh my God. Everybody say, oh my God, all the time. Now I'm trying to say, before you say it, now you understand who God is, right? So I'm just trying to help that. So in this journey, there was a couple and they were, they were about to divorce. So, so what happened was, they went to one of our church friends and told the church friend, which is one of their best friends, and said that, uh, Eight years of marriage, we decided things are not going to work out. So I'm telling you, we're going to, we're going to go divorce. So the friend said, have you went for counseling? They said, oh yeah, we, we've been through the counseling. We've seen therapies. We, we've done everything, but we have decided we're going to go divorce. And then that friend said this. He says, have you tried God? 
Come on, everybody say that. Have you tried God? Have you tried God, right? God's world, our world. Imagine that. So this couple has a world that was extremely broken, hurt, bitter, painful, which is why they decided to go for divorce. So when they told them that, have you tried God? Then they both look at each other and say, we never thought about that. Who would have thought about trying God? Then they said, how do we try God? So then this friend of of one of our church members says, you know, my pastor do this, oh my God, discovering God, you know, why don't you just go, just attend. Maybe it makes sense to you. So they came for the session without me knowing all the details. Actually, I don't know anything at all. They were just part of the, it was over Zoom because it was pandemic. And right after that, on the third session, the man texts me. He says, Pastor, um, can I meet up with you? He says, I'm very comfortable with you. I want to open up to share with you my journey a little bit. So I met up with the man and the wife. So the moment where they sat down together, they say that we are about to divorce and, and your church member says, why don't we try God? So we wanted to have this conversation with you. So he says, we are, we are going to go divorce and uh, so, so long story short, my wife found out a year ago that I, uh, she had sexually transmitted disease. That was because I was unfaithful. I was unfaithful because for past eight years, my wife used the cane to cane me. Wow. She was such a strong woman. I have to use the pillow to, to shield against. I mean, this is true story. He says, we were so broken. I am in, I am in about a 50,000 US dollar debts. Uh, we have no home. My mother-in-law chases out. My wife is having all this problem and I'm having job problem. And so they size up their world for me. So I told them, I said, this, this needs God. I, I can't, but if you were to invite God into your world, God's world can enter into your world and make a difference. Uh, then they say, okay, okay, can we, we are willing to try. We try everything. So how do I get into God's world? I said, you just need to invite God into your world. Just uh, God is a gentleman. You, you know, so how do you do that? We call that prayer, inviting Jesus, come into my life, come into my life. I say, okay, okay, we've never done that. We'll do that. So just before I pray, just before I pray, I say, okay, we're going to do this prayer, like talking to God, invite it. They got it, got it. Just before I pray, they said, hold on, hold on, pastor. He says, I don't know God. Can I invite God 50%? Discount, discount, you know what I'm saying? Sales. <laughs> so I, I look at him, I said, yes, of course, let's do a 50%. You open up invite now. When I shared this story, Paul Barker, do you know Paul Barker? He's a theologist, team. I would have, I would have said, no way, either all or none. So, you know, and, and you know, and, and that I wasn't coming from a theological, theological frame. I'm coming from a place where God takes whatever we are willing to give it to Him and He inch into that. So then I led them to say a 50% sinner prayer. <laughs> Dear God, I only believe you 50%. I only believe you then. Come into my life 50%. Forgive my sin 50%. Uh, you know, it wasn't funny for them because it was their first time talking to God. It was as real to them. So they prayed with their heart and I said, in Jesus' name, they said, amen. They said, so where do we go from here? I said, we start a chat group. I said, 
I want to introduce God's way into your world. That means you go by God's principle. You go by God's presence. So, so every week, they will text me, you know, I had a big fight. What should I do? I say, okay, you know, you do this, come down, and then you pray, you surrender to God, invite God into your world, the peace of God. So I've been kind of just helping, coaching them along the journey. But every time I do that, I ask them, could we increase five more percent? <laughs> and they'll say, okay, five more percent. Kid you not. Four weeks later, they said, Pastor, could, I meet, could we meet up with you? The first thing they set down, the first question they asked is, how do I give God 100%? You know, something, something about when God's will enter into your world, they still have the $50,000 debts. They still have the tension within their marriage. They still have the argument with the mother-in-law. But the moment God entered their world, God starts to change their inner world and eventually their external world. So I just want you to know, faith is that little conduit. It's that little highway that brings God's world uh, into our world. Um, I, so I want to jump into Hebrews 11 because we're going to kind of stick to that definition of it. But it's very important for me to help you to understand Hebrews 10. Because it's the ramp up before Hebrews 11, before it defines faith. So if you know the author of Hebrews, which a lot of people suspect most probably could be Paul, and the author of Hebrews was writing to different kind of audience. He was, written, he was writing to those who are dispersed, having massive persecution. Uh, he was also writing to those who felt like they're going to fall away, and he kind of warned them. So he writes to multiple audience as he write to that. And if you know the book of Hebrews, it's really a book that trying to lead every one of us cognitively, logically into a place of what is better. It's, it's really a, it's a better covenant. So he was really comparing Jesus with the angels. He says, he's better than that. He was calling, uh, I mean, Comparing Jesus to the animal sacrifice is better than the sacrifice, better than the priesthood. He was helping to 10 chapters, helping everybody to come to a spot and helping all of us to know that Jesus is really the better than anything that's happened in the Old Testament. Then, he then concluded and introduced the last few chapters. You have faith in this Jesus. That's, that's the thinking. All right, so Hebrews 10, verse, uh, if you go back to verse 32, talk about people who are suffering, persecution, all of that, right? But I just want to start with verse 37. He says, Yet in a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. Turn to anybody and say, A little while. Okay? He says, Just a little while, just hang in there. He says, The day will come when God is going to come and wrap up everything. Then he says, but my righteous one shall live by faith. Or the little phrase called the just shall live by faith, which by the way, if you study the Bible, the just shall live by faith, begins with Habakkuk, um, where it was an impending judgment of God upon the nation of Israel and eventually Babylon. And he was contrasting the way the world lived and how the Jews or the Israelite needs to live by that. He, and he gave that little phrase, the just shall live by faith, which Paul quoted in Romans, quoted in Galatians. So it's a very common phrase in the Bible. It says, if he shrink back, my soul has no pleasure in him, but 
we are not of those. Come on, could you, could you say the we in a powerful way? But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and persevere their souls. Now, so this, this author was trying to help us to think like this. He says the days that we're going to live, which the Bible called it the last days, between his first and second coming, we are living in the last days. And with all the war, a lot of people say we are the last of the last days, however you want to phrase that, okay? Nevertheless, the Bible tells us the way, the only way you and I are going to live the rest of our life is by faith. There's, there's no other way. There's no other version of life. This is, this is it, okay? So he says, live by faith because the just shall live by faith. Now, then we jump into Hebrews 11, 1 to 2 because then he tells you, what is this faith? He was trying to define and help all of us to understand what faith is all about. Now, obviously, if you read the rest of chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, he then tells many stories. In, in fact, I think he named about 16 names of men and women of God because of their faith. They, they, they write a different narrative of their, of their life. It includes people who are extremely victorious. They shut the lion's mouth. They conquer enemies. They won the war. It also includes those who did not get the promise. And it, it kind of, actually, if you read further, it talks about how these people, he says, the world is not worthy of them. He talks about how when we live by faith, we don't chart by what is, what is temporal. And, and it, it talks about this faith, you know, and sometimes for some of us, faith is, you know, the faith movement has, 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 has this name it, claim it, get it, you know, kind of a thinking. Or some people felt like I'm a king's kid and they go around bossing everybody. I can take that parking because I'm the king's kid. You know, all of that. The Bible never takes faith to be like that. Yeah, yeah. It says this faith is not just about your conquest. It's about your perseverance. It's, it's the entire package of Jesus entering into our world and learning how to live, put our confidence in Him. Okay, now, then what he did was, Hebrews 11, 1 to 2, he gave us two definitions to help to understand what faith is all about. So he says, now faith is the, is the assurance of substance, confidence of things hoped for and the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. So he says this thing. First of all, is the, is the confidence of things that you hope. You know, every one of us hope for something. Am I correct? Uh, 2016, I was hoping for another world conference in South Africa. All right, I was hoping. But the moment when the news was announced, uh, when they could not do it in Dubai and has to move to South Africa, the confidence of the things I hope for, now I don't just hope for, because now it's already announced. Are, are you with me? So the Bible was trying to say, he says the difference between faith and just being positive, being optimistic, he says the difference is this, is the confidence, it's a substance. He says that means that you can actually lean on what you're confident about. So he says this, this Jesus thing, this faith, this God, whatever, he says it's a substance. So, so faith is not just being optimistic. Faith is not that I'm going to be good, I'm going to be good. I'm, it's, it's because of the substance that you lean on, that you fully put your confidence on. Okay? Now, he says first of all, so let's move from just being hopeful to know that there's a substance that supports this hope. So 
it's already announced. So I know that when I come to, so when I take the flight to come to Cape Town, it won't be like, ah, oh, the World Conference was cancelled. That's the confidence I have that it will continue because it's been announced, everything has been done. So he says it's a confidence. And then he says, is the conviction or is the evidence of things not seen? That means you have not seen it. But he says, it's there. It's there for you. You know, there were many times in our life, things that you don't see, but actually God saw. And we learn how to put that confidence in the things that God has seen. Uh, which really kind of uh, tell you a story of me and my son. When my eldest son was about, um, I don't know, maybe about three years old, three to four, he, three years old, that's right, he went to a kindergarten. And uh, s- somehow, every time when he copies something, he always copied it wrong, okay? Uh, he, didn't, he didn't copy right. Sorry, that was a lame joke, okay? <laughs> it was copy wrong, Sorry. Sorry, that, that's how Malaysian. That's joke. That's joke. Okay. Anyway, so, uh, so the teacher came to my wife and said that I think something wrong with your son's eyesight. He he couldn't see, or he just always get it wrong. Uh, so we brought our three-year-old son. Uh, my wife brought him to see the optometrist, and he went. You know how many of you know that every time when you sit on the chair, the optometrist, and then all the gadget comes. So he freaked out. He was only three years old. He sat there, all the machine come. He kicks the machine. He shouted, he screamed, you know. And then the, the doctors look at my, my son and say that, uh, you know, why don't he come back this evening? I got another lady doctor. She's more gentle. She's better with kids. I don't think I can do it with your son. My wife took him down. She was very frustrated. She caught me. And she said, your son... <laughs> refuse to sit on that chair. You know how, how when you say a sentence, you, you emphasize on certain things, say, your son, okay? Then I say, I say it's okay. I say, I say, tonight I'll bring him, okay? When the dad brings, it's, it's different, okay? So, you know, <laughs> so the night came. I came back from work. I was still working. And uh, I, as I tie his shoelace, I, I look at my son. And I look at Joel, my son. I say, Joel, I said, tonight, I'm going to bring you to see the doctor again. He can't look at me, he says. Okay? He said, Joel, I want you to learn the biggest lesson in life. You can trust the one that loves you the most. Would you say that again? You can trust the one that loves you the most. I said, me and mom loves you the most. We will not do anything to harm you. You know how in life it is to get kids to do certain things, what we do is the reward system. If you are able to sit on that chair, you get a Paul's ice cream. Yes, bring it on. It was Timothy's ice cream, okay, in Malaysia. Uh, if the ice cream doesn't work, you top up the reward. You get a sword. You get soldiers. You know, he's, you know, he's a boy. You get cowboy, whatever, okay? So typically, to get a child to do something, we go by the reward system. I look at Joel. I say, Joel, no ice cream, no sword. No soldier, none of this. I said, I want you to learn. Then I get him to repeat. I can trust the one that I get. He get it repeat. Okay, Joe, you get it? He says, okay, got it. So I took him. 
When I went to the optometrist there, the moment he saw my son Joy, he said, oh no, he says, my assistant is still having the dinner. Could you just wait for half an hour? Should we? I, I said, no, no, no. I said, it's okay. I said, when the father brings. <laughs> I said, it's, it's different. It's different. Okay, I'm just joking. Okay. I put Joel on that chair. I held his hand. I said, Joel, remember, you can trust the one that loves you the most. You know, he sat on that chair with all the gadget coming. He doesn't make a fuss at all. He ran through the entire thing and the optimist look at me and says, Wow, your son is different at night from the daytime. <laughs> he didn't know I upgraded the version. <laughs> I downloaded the grade, you know, anyway. You know, as I, as I pull him down, I look at Joel. I say, Joel, you can trust the one that loves you the most. And then I took him for ice cream. <laughs> My point is, it's the evidence of things not seen. My son has not seen that machine. Or oh, he first saw it and it was so, he freaked out. My son has not experienced the entire thing. But I have. I've saw everything before. And I'm trying to tell my son the confidence, the substance of what I'm going to say, the evidence of things not seen. He has not seen, but I have. I'm trying to tell my son, you can trust the one that loves you the most. Faith is something like that. As you start this journey of faith, this series, you're going to walk through with many different thoughts, but I want you to know, so often... We think that faith is something I need to work. No. Faith is that little confidence and trust in God that has seen it, done it, been there. And most of all, you can trust the one that loves you the most. Can I go to amen? Um, I'm going to stop shortly, but I'm just going to give you one verse. The Bible tells us he gives you three little verbs for your faith. He says you draw near to God. So every time when you have a problem, don't draw near to the problem, draw near to God. Right? Don't push God away. I've seen people, they're in, they in trouble. The first thing they do is they don't want to come to church, don't want to worship God, don't want to read the Bible. I'm always thinking, why? That's the, that's the stupidest thing. I, I don't know. Okay, maybe I shouldn't have said that. In the, but that's really dumb. Yes, don't do that because it says you draw near to God and you believe, right, that He exists and you seek Him. It's that, you know, it's, it's that little thing that there's a subject, so it says draw near to God, believe He exists, and when you seek Him, He rewards you. He kind of gives you that little three handles as you begin your journey of faith. Now, I, I want to close right now you know, as I was just thinking about Rosebank Church, uh, I was just thinking about each and every one of you. I hope every time we get together, we tell our faith story. Every time we get together, uh, we talk about how, how because of faith, you, you did your parenting. How because of faith, God, have a breakthrough in your business. How because of faith, uh, just individually, everybody talk about a story of faith. By faith, 
you write the story of your life, right? But as a whole church, you write the stories of this church. So I was sort of praying and, you know, preparing my thought for this morning. Uh, and, and this is what I see when I think about uh, the church in Joburg and with the leadership of both Pastor Roger, Simon, everything. And I felt like the Lord puts this in my heart. I, I see the churches here. Uh, so the picture that I saw was an, really an upgraded airport. And an airport has many, many lanes. So it's upgraded for many, many. And I, and I saw a lot of airplanes coming in. And I, I have no idea about what the Joburg Airport is like or the Cape Town Airport. But what I felt God is saying, you're going to have a lot of people being sent out. Uh, you're going to be like an airport, a, a world-class airport where you're going to send people in and out, new airlines, new vision, whatever God. But this is God going to upgrade. There's going to be upgrading that's going to happen. And that's because we're going to all write this story by, by faith. By faith. We're going, to, we're going to write this story together by faith. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, we, we had a building crisis. You know, long story short, the last five minutes. Let me just capture that, okay? So, we bought a piece of land uh, that we are wanting to build our new building. Uh, and the budget was about five, so let me think, about maybe about seven million US dollar. And uh, we took a step of faith. The church was only about 200 plus, 300 of us. Now we are maybe inching anywhere to be about 2,000 kind, you know, with all the kids and teens and everybody, everybody together. Uh, so by then, it was really a challenge, but we took the step of faith. After leading the church to be about four to five years into building fun and all of that, the day when we wanted to build, where we gotten the license and everything, when we wanted to build, the cost has risen to almost about 12 million US. And, uh, and the architect blamed it to the QS, you know, all. Anyway, long story short, the damage was done. I knew that if I were to jump in for that building project, uh, you're going to read about a pastor that went into massive depression. <laughs> I knew that that's not. So I, I consulted Pastor Steve, I asked a few, you know, they said, team, if you are not, don't do it. So, so I then needed to come to the church and say that church, for five years, I led you to a building project, but the reality is we can't do it because the gap was just too big. I was depressed for plunging the depression four days, five days. <coughs> Long story, at the end of that fourth or third day, uh, opposite our church, which is our current building that sits 700, if you come to, we actually own a couple of pieces of different buildings. Okay, long story, but please do visit us, okay? The owner actually walked to our church and says, that, hey, you know, I saw your church growing. We have this place vacant. I'm not too sure whether you're interested. So I called him up, met up with him. But for us to write a story of faith, we need three big miracles. Number one, he will keep the building for us. It was, it was a very, we are, we are smack in an industrial lot where it's one of the only industrial lot in the, in the midst of a, of a city. So it's, it's, very, it's very pricey. He has to keep it for us. Number two, we have to be able to sell our piece of land. Number three, we are able to get a fresh new loan. 
Three big miracles. This person, by the grace of God, kept the building one year for us, really by the grace of God. He did it for us. Long story, okay. Second, we sold the piece of land and we earned double the investment that we put in. All of a sudden, we have so much money that we actually can get the building every time and we are debt-free. So if you come, we are purely debt-free, a couple of buildings, okay? So by the grace of God. Number three, we need to get a fresh loan. So before the money comes in, we need to get a fresh loan. You know, in Malaysia, no banks will borrow to church. Just nobody does that. Islamic and all of that. Now, when we get our first building, somehow there was a little window and one of the bank of, you know, sort of gave us grace and gave us a little, a little bit of a loan. Now I went back to the bank and I wanted to top up the loan. The bank basically told me that, sorry, we review, we're not going to give church any more loan. That's it. We are a fantastic paymaster, by the way. And we have a lot of our businessmen that will give them all the guarantee, but they just refuse to give us the loan. So I needed to find out. So I was asking God, God, how, how am I going to do this? How am I going to write this chapter by faith? You know, God was so gracious. So I started, so I work in the IT world. So uh, I used to do all the banks. Uh, so I called some of my IT friends and wanting to know who is the decision maker for this, the key decision maker. So someone said, this guy knows this decision maker. So long story short, I met up with this person who is a mutual friend. And I said, could I get the decision maker contact? He says, okay. He says, I'll give you the contact. So I actually asked for him to arrange a dinner. But he says, I, sorry, I, I can't do that. But I'll give you his personal contact. I have his phone. And I knew that I cannot just simply call. Now, let me ask you this. Today, if you receive a phone without any names, could you, do you pick up? Okay, in Malaysia, nobody picks up. <laughs> nobody. So I knew if I'm going to call him, uh, he will not pick up the phone. I knew I had I've only one chance. And one morning I was doing devotion. It was Psalms, I, I, I believe Psalms 140, where he says that he says that in the morning you'll hear the goodness of God and he will lead you the path that you should walk. And I still remember about 10 days later, one morning, the verse came to my mind while I was driving. I stopped my car by the side of the road as a good citizen of Malaysia. <laughs> I pick up the phone and I knew I have only one call, one chance. I make the phone call. It was about 10 o'clock. Now, if you're in a corporate world, nobody picks up phone at 10. Why? They're already in a meeting. Nobody does that. He picked up the phone. And I've got only 15, 20 seconds to make the good first <laughs> I say, hi. I say, my name is Timothy. I'm a pastor. Uh, I just need 30 seconds, one minute of your time. He kept for silence. He says, go ahead. I said, I've got an existing loan. I need to upgrade. I've been turned down left, right, center. I said, would you consider? He was silent. He says, give me the reference number. I'll take a look. We both put down the phone. A week later, the loan was approved on my desk. Come on. The miracle is this. The miracle is this. I've not met him. I've not seen him till today. I don't even know who he is. I just know his name and his number. And he, by the grace God, did it for us. By faith. faith. 
God's world into my world. Let's write a new chapter. Let's pray. God, we just come humbly before you. So much has been said, O oh God, but Lord, we invite your world into our world. Help every one of us to write a powerful chapter of our life and this church life by faith. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Timothy, thank you for being the pastor that takes us from 50% to 100%. (laughs) Can we pray? Bow your heads, please. Perhaps, as Pastor Timothy has shared these stories and, and God's word, that you can hear God speaking to you. That you're hearing the challenge, the call, which all of us, have heard that serve the Lord. All of us have heard and responded to that that love Him. Maybe you don't have every question answered, but you've got enough to say, Jesus, I want you. So I want to give you an opportunity to, to pray a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer. And Church, could we all stand up? Why don't you just stand? you here today, I want you to pray this prayer loud and church, won't you support them by praying it with me? So pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I put my trust in you. I recognize that it's by faith. And I put my faith in you. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I give my life to you. I declare that you are Lord. And I receive you as my Savior. Amen.